Okay, welcome back. This is part two of our interview with Amy. We greatly appreciate it. We, I think I mentioned this on part one, but we did have some little minor audio issues, so we appreciate you guys giving this a listen. We think the conversation was extremely valuable, but if you hear a little hiccup here and there, um, it may just have been due to a little recording snafu. Otherwise, let's roll on to part two. Speaking of takeaways, I want to take this in just a slightly different direction. And uh, Amy and I had a chance to connect to Keystone. And, and as we've talked about, Keystone is great because you have this chance to have these small, intimate discussions, whether it's in small groups or one-on-one. And Amy had, I had a chance to connect one-on-one for a little bit. And we dug into some conversations pretty quickly about changes that are coming to the industry. And it's really interesting to see what's happening. Amy opened my eyes. She was the first one to share these theories with me. And it seems like there's some big things happening. I don't want to put any words into Amy's mouth, but I want to see what your thoughts are, Amy, around some changes that are coming. And you've mentioned them as transformations. And it seems like things could happen very quickly. And if that's the case, if the timeline is speeding up and changes are happening very quickly, then how do we leverage that? And there were a couple specific topics that I'd, I'd love to dig into. Uh, Vacasa is definitely one of them. There are changes on the horizon. But before we do that, let's chat a little bit about AI and what's your thoughts about our AI and, and how is AI going to change the industry and, and things that we need to think about as, as managers and marketers? So I think it's an overhaul. I mean, this is a, I, first of all, change is escalating. The pace of change is escalating. Let's put it that way. Change has always been, we've, dealing, we've been dealing with change management since we're, you know, since you're born, you're dealing with change management. The pace of change, the pace of tech change is so much faster than it used to be. So the bigger your enterprise, the harder it is to adapt. So like you can't just change systems every every day. You know, it's like as something new comes in, the smaller able to pivot, you know, um, and larger companies have to be more thoughtful in how they do that and more secure that it's going to be something that is sustainable for so, but either way, right now, this is, so the pace of how this is going to happen, I, I don't really know. Like, AI on the content side is one thing. Everyone's fun with that. That's, you know, great, stuff like that. But the, the trend, what's going on with AI is more than just GPT. You know, like, I was thinking about the data systems when starting to build that. Like, really, when I decided that's what I wanted to do, had a major server issue. Like, the servers would have been, you know, in the plan were extremely um, in carrying data and can, you know, and cycling. In. Then, um, you know, cloud hosting happened. And all of a sudden you've got AWS and you're nothing, you know, where before it was top line, you know, expense. And now we're way past that. Like, for instance, the coding that we did and the chart creation, the business intelligence tools that had to be created for data for all these companies have done, like AirDNA and key data, that stuff is drag and drop. You know, it, it's not, I mean, these are content blocks. The, the hundreds of thousands in developer expense that people have been paying for coding, that's going away. You know, that now you've got people who are able to... Um, technology much easier and much faster than we've ever seen before. And pretty soon as that, you know, we've got more open APIs or APIs are getting stronger every day in our industry. People will be able to create things really quickly. So market share is going to shift quite a bit and maybe shift and maybe shift. You know, again, innovation is something we haven't had a ton of. In the last few years with um, private equity coming in and take um, 
and seeing some innovation slow with that. The new companies have a hard time getting to market right now because they're so out there. So we just saw kind of a slow tech um, as far as people really feeling like they can build new stuff. And this is going to change that. I also think as far as AI goes, being able to use it in the way that people are currently using it, it only knows what's written. Like AI is only able to go out and grab what's actually out there right now that exists, which is a lot. But in our industry, think about how much there isn't. We don't have classes, we have, you know, well, I mean, like we don't have curriculum, we have, um, it is, it's verbal, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you may be able to ask right now how the vacational industry started, it'd be super interesting to know what, what, you know, what you get. But I think that right, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing in the sense that you can create your own future destiny by the content that you create today. Um, especially in a destination and locally. And I think there's a huge opportunity there as we think through it in terms of repositioning yourself and your company today in a way that would have taken years before. Does that make sense? The potential disruptions that you're talking about are nothing short of amazing. It feels like there are a lot of variables that are coming together that could have very significant impact on the industry. And it almost feels like we're missing the forest through the trees. We're arguing about data and how much things could be going down, whether it's ADR or Knight's booked, and if there's a potential collapse. But the reality is behind all of that, all of these pieces are going to come together and significantly change things at a very rapid pace. You've got the economic pressures that have come in. The COVID boom has slowed significantly. Homeowner and guest expectations are changed. They're going to need to be readjusted. The overall revenue landscape needs to change or is in the process of changing. Funding has slowed down tremendously. The pace of innovation has changed. It slowed down while the money was easy, but now it's also more difficult because the funding is is difficult and then on top of that you add ai to the mix and ai could completely change everything the way that you're talking about a refocus on marketing and then a refocus on hospitality and how you're going to bring all of those pieces together under the umbrella of ai that just seems very significant at a very fast pace and it doesn't seem like we're talking about enough it feels like as an industry we're talking about the small Yay. pieces maybe the threads of the overall concept but we're missing the true impact of all of these pieces coming together Okay. <laughs> if I were just being given a really bizarre, bold prediction, I think OTAs are in trouble. I think Verbo's in trouble. I think Airbnb's in trouble. Um, Expedia and Booking are trying to work on everything right now. I mean, they're, I, the deal is right now, if, as a customer funnel, right? Going back to what we were talking about, um, if you, as a cus the customer funnel, they go online to search. So right now, currently, what do they do? They either go to Airbnb or Verbo directly, or they go to Google, right? Um, unless they already know your brand. And so they put in a search for what they feel like they end up with, you know, a search results there. I Then they go to that site and or whatever it is, or they just do it directly in Google and they put in dates. They put in whatever the criteria is, how best, just whatever, whatever filter they want to apply. It's a filter. It's a filter oriented search. And I think that's what AI takes away. So like right now, you just check all the boxes and you hit search and you get a list of results. And I, I don't, that's not the way it's going to go. People will ask for what they want. They're going to. 
So the filter, you know, the filter approach, the chat, the chat box filter approach is just, that's what's going away. It won't be there. I will go in and I will say that I want to be beat. I want a, a hot tub. I want a jacuzzi bathtub in the master. I want a screen in porch. You know what I mean? You'll, you'll ask for what you want. And that's how the searches will come up. The, the whole idea of the, the way these, these sites are set up right now won't hold. This idea of going in and just putting in your dates and checking off filters and hitting search, that won't be forever. And I think what... And I think that's what the most disruptive thing... And even, I feel like Brian Chesky even admitted that, Amy. I posted a clip on LinkedIn of him doing an interview at This Week in Startups, and he was basically like, we have enough inventory in most markets. He's actually, our problem is a matching problem. We need to match the property with the person. And it's not just a static list of here's the 10 best listings in the area because your 10 best are different than my 10 best because I have three kids and I have very different issues or problems with what I'm trying to accomplish with my stay. So I think that's also part of it too, which is that if you are like, if we can get the data formatted properly and fed into a large language model, then what value does the OTA bring? I think you, I think that's a valid point that the challenge of course, is getting the property manager and getting the host to actually format data correctly so that the right data, you know, comes in the fold. That's exactly right. So like getting ahead of it right now, it's building out the content around. It's, it's a very different thing now. Like everything has to be described. Like it it will, AI will search out what's out there. It's not going to just know. Luckily now it will be reading. I was about to say, so what you mentioned, I was like, I feel like, like now the AI could look at the photo and tell if it's actually, there's a jacuzzi tub in the master or not. I feel like right now there's no checkbox for that sort of amenity. There might be a checkbox for bedrooms, bathrooms, but not like that level of detail. But but yeah, I'm with you. It's like for certain people, I'm going to have a specific list of criteria that I want. Not only would it be nice for me to have a bedroom just for my littlest, my daughter, it would be ideal if that bedroom's kind of far away from everybody else so she can sleep. And if we're being loud at night, it's not going to wake up the baby. So things like that. I think you can make a list that's so specific to you that certain properties could even be more desirable too in that scenario. Like this property helps a lot. That's exactly right. Yeah. So this idea of taking 24 hours and creating a, a a, a listing description like that's that whole thing needs to be wrought. Yeah. It's like right now, it's like how much information can I give AI about this? And it's a content management system for every yeah. property. I mean, it's like like right now, if it were me, I would be hiring a full time photographer if I don't already have one. You know what I mean? You really who understands technology? I think that chat gpt isn't going to write these descriptions like you're asking ai you know like it's 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 dangerous to just get lazy to do that and i think that we see a lot of that out Mm. there right now i love this bold prediction it's amazing how much this could impact everyone but just as a point of clarification you mentioned pictures should we be thinking about adding tags or content behind the pictures or just making sure that we're taking the right pictures well right now it's actually identifying a grill Mm. in a photo you don't have to tell that it, that there's a grill in the photo, but you have to take a picture of the grill. Like, and I I think that cleanliness will matter too. I think that, that eventually AI will pick up on things like aged properties versus new properties, white um, hospitality bedding, bed spreads, and things like that. I think we are that eventually you know you will get they will measure luxury by a lot that's in the photos. That's incredible. If AI is going to be able to figure out luxury, then it's going to be able to figure out safety. So now we bring in safety into this discussion as well. Exactly right. So, if, you know, if you've a lot of safety, you know what I mean? Like things that are important, like ratings like that, like you know, photography needs to be covering that now. If you want to think about next year and the next year. And the question is, how will all this happen? Right. Like uh, how quickly do I need to adjust? 
Um, if it, again, I think photography is a low hanging fruit, right? Like go ahead and get a, because you can retake photos. I mean, this is a trial and error thing, but really starting to work with photography right now, I think is a real first easy way to start. I think working through content around the list of um, descriptions and things like that is another great way to start. The descriptions, again, I, I see a lot of this right now that people are trying to use, they're using AI to write descriptions because of course, it's way cheaper and way easier to do and it's available right now. But I don't know that the people doing that are actually thinking about the future of how those listings or how AI is going to be viewing those listings. They're just trying to use AI to push it out. They're not thinking about AI actually. Uh, I'm way too biased on this one, Amy, of course, because we have a description. We have a service that actually writes descriptions with all of our copywriters. But my take on it is that people actually are also prompting it incorrectly. So not only are they maybe using the wrong tool for the job, I think there's a debate to be had there. But then they're just like, describe this three bedroom, two bath home in Orange Beach, Alabama. And it's okay, you got to give it a lot more input than that to actually get the right output back. And the funny part is the best input is actually very detailed. The best prompt is actually very detailed when it comes to things like this listing, maybe bedrooms, bathrooms, views, amenities, all that kind of stuff. And then it really all it's doing is taking sort of the facts and turning it into a little bit more of a fun, readable sort of paragraph. And then it's more of just like massaging the copy to make it a little bit more appealing. But I see it. I think in some, I'll be honest. I feel like some of our orders on the margins have gone down a little bit because people are like, I don't really need to. I can use like these AI tools to get back text. Yes, you can get back text. The question is, is a good text? That's a very different, it's a oh large delta gosh. between the two. Yeah. Yeah. So I said that because you're right. I mean, this is kind of where we are from yeah. a thought process that we haven't been is you've the prompt who you've got to be smart enough to yeah. use. And, and that's in the coding mm-hmm. side and the you know software development side too. There's much more um, opportunity now for people who are really into the, you know, there was this whole period that it was like, if you were really into the tactical thing, that life was really hard in terms of coding and trying to put things together. But I think now it's the brain shift of really, if you're someone who understands the why and is able to articulate that, you have a real opportunity today in terms of being able to use AI to your advantage in the best possible way. And not a lot of that. Um, I think, interestingly, it would be to retake photos and do kind of what we're talking about and then have AI write the description off of the photos. (laughs) You would see really quickly what it's picking up. You know what this... Go ahead, Scott, sorry. Sorry, it's funny, as you guys have been talking, right? What I wrote down is using photos and your content to answer as many personal questions as possible. So that way, because we talked about personalization That's all the exactly way back right. at the beginning, and you look at it and go, personalization means you have to answer personalized questions, but doesn't mean all the way that it's one-to-one. It's you have to have enough content and all the right pictures to answer Conrad's personal questions, Amy's personal questions, Adam's, and Scott's all in one shot. So then AI can come through, like you're saying, Amy, in the next iteration, AI looks and goes, all right, Amy, what do you want to do? And you go, oh, I want this. And it goes and goes, all right, yep, here's the one for you. Just a small example, like if you have cribs available that or whatever, that um, having a photo with a room bell. Yeah. Show you me know the crib I mean? one. Just, Maybe show you not the crib one. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. right, exactly. And I think AI, I mean, like this is Expedia and booking and, and Airbnb are going to mm-hmm. start moving. So it's like getting in front of that, like I was talking about, that the older, the bigger companies don't, aren't able to pivot so quickly. So this is one of those things that 
it's just an example of something you could get start getting on top of right now. It's great the way these conversations build on each other. We started with marketing and now we're talking about how important marketing is again. It's going through another transformation. We're talking about personalization, which is really unreasonable hospitality. We're thinking about the newer companies versus the older companies. And the established companies should have a head start because they've done this before. The newer companies, I'd argue, probably haven't even thought about this yet. But the question becomes, how much lead time do we have? It seems like the people who act now are going to be the ones that get the most out of this. Do you remember when Google was headed, they were going so fast into mm-hmm. vacation rentals, right? We were seeing them build out all the maps and all the homes, and all of a sudden they just go. <laughs> I mean, don't you think they saw this at this yeah. point and they're like, why are we even building this? This will be gone in two years. Like, why would we even like waste any? Like, I, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think the fact is, just like we were talking about, the, the big companies have mm-hmm. to pivot. They can't start fresh. And for these for these established OTAs to pivot out of a format, you know, where someone new can just go build it right now and build it fresh. I was, I'm reminded. Damn, pretty cheaply, <laughs> might I add. You can build for almost right. nothing. That's what's so weird. There's no barrier to entry. But what you have to do is to go back to marketing is you've got to get the eyeballs on it mm-hmm. to get there. And so with this whole full shit, um, side of things, I think is, is going to be really interesting. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's incredibly disruptive. I think it, two years from now, it will look yeah. very different. The customer funnel. Do you remember Dwellable, Amy? They sold out to Homeway in 2015. But you know what I'm thinking? So the reason that they got market share very quickly and the reason that they had this like interesting run up and obviously I'm, this is an old skipped article. I couldn't find it on VRM Intel, sorry. October 7th, 2015, they sold to Homeway. But they figured out mobile before VRBO and really Airbnb wasn't really as strong as a consideration of that side of things. So they were like, ah, we're going to be the first ones to build a good, useful mobile app for vacation rentals on that platform on iOS and Android. And then they were a desirable sort of a commodity or whatever company, if you will, for Homeway to acquire. I feel like the same thing is going to happen. Who's the dwellable of like AI, meaning who's the person who's going to build it new and say, okay, you built it in this way, to your point, Amy, from a second ago, I'm going to build it this way. There's a different way I'm going to build it. And I don't know if it's a plugin or if it's something on top of JetGPT or it's just a search engine that you go and you put in specific criteria, but it actually gives you recommendations that are good. I don't know, but that's what I was thinking of. That was when I was first getting into industry. And I remember we built like several XML feeds back when I was um, at the previous agency to list on Dwellable. And they were like all this momentum. And they were like, ah, we're mobile. They're desktop. They're the old guard. We're the new guard. And then of course, a ton of, I think a ton of cash sometimes goes the other way. 18 18 million. I'll throw this, I'll throw this link in the show notes. 18 million for the app to my knowledge. And it looks like the domain doesn't redirect anymore. October of 2015. Yeah, I've got the gist of that on Dwellable. You're absolutely right. Something stupid for it too, which is also interesting. The money at the time for what they had built. And I agree with you. They needed to build, they needed to create that push into something that could have been disruptive. And they didn't know how quickly they were, build versus buy, right? They didn't know how quickly they were going to be able to build. Amy Chesky came out recently and said that they're refocusing on rooms. Can you talk a little bit about what that means? Why is exclusive inventory so important? I think exclusive inventory is everything right now because people will be able to go out and search in a very different way. It won't just be people sticking on Airbnb. They may not even go directly to Airbnb to get that. Mm-hmm. They actually, it's the only place it's going to be. So exclusive inventory for everybody right now is the big, that's the big push. That's what people, and which is amazing for our industry because the property managers are the exclusive provider of that inventory. 
So AI is going to push for the closest source to the to get as close to the ground as possible. The ideas we're talking about will tremendously shift this industry. It's going to push all of that booking power back to the property manager who has the exclusive inventory and controls the content that they put out around those listings. So all of this shifts away from the OTA and back to the manager. I agree, completely agree. And we you know when AI pulls it across booking and Airbnb, all the different channels that they're on, it's going to really be something that the customers got to weigh in and they'll start identifying the fees and all that kind of stuff too. I think it's a real problem. I, the upside is that again, our industry, it's just, just weird how this happens is the property managers end up falling on the right side of the ball quite a bit. True. The model, just the right side of the recession, the right side of demand, the right side of, of this, of disruption. I think at the end of the day, there's a resiliency in our industry that's it's not even just unique. It's almost miraculous. <laughs> it's like the classic, it's like that classic phrase too. I think a little bit, Amy, where it's like someone still has to clean the toilets. Someone still has to fix the, fix the lock when it breaks, like that kind of stuff. And for all the talk, all the changes over the past two years, it's like someone still has to do that kind of work. And I was in the, I was on Twitter, which I need to stop getting on Twitter and reading this kind of false information. It drives me a little bit batty. Yeah. But they do this, like you said, for the people who don't have their own websites, they do this for the people who who aren't investing in their own brand and stuff like that. That's who their client is. I, if they mm, I are yeah. really on top of this and are able to do this well, then that 10% could be worth a lot I, because they will actually be the source of the content. It's they're the main, it's on evolve first before mm. it gets pushed out. But it's yeah. also like their business is listing management. That's what they do. And so, right. If right. they're that's doing what, everything that we're, if they start yeah. doing everything that we're talking about right now in terms of <laughs> optimizing for AI, you know what it was when you know, when when search when SEO just started, and we were able to manipulate the search engines to get somewhere without having to pay. You know, oh, you mean like you you weren't Amy putting white text on a white background? You guys weren't doing stuff like no, that. We were weren't you? black hat. Do you remember all that white hat black hat? <laughs> <laughs> but, and before PPC got like huge. And then it was pay to play. It's going to be a minute before people monetize AI, right? That's going to be an interesting pirate style time to be in AI or will be in in our industry in AI. It will be like another who can be the fastest to really learn it. Talking about AI and how it connects to back to marketing reminds me of Verma back in 2008 when we would go to the shows and have all those notes. So do you think you'll include AI at DARM in December? I'd like to play with this track a lot just for my own personal entertainment. <laughs> like I'm interested in it. I, oh, I don't think there will be, there will be a question by December. It's only June. That's incredible to think that we're going to have answers with AI as quickly as December. So DARM is definitely worth attending to hear the AI track and see where this is all evolving. We're going to have to continue this discussion until then. But in the meantime, let's transition to another big piece of industry news or potential news as it unfolds. And this was another topic that you and I chatted about at Keystone, Amy. And it's one I think you have one of the best handles on, just given your background at VRM Intel and the, re, uh, the research you did into ResortQuest. So what are your thoughts around Vacasa? How does this all play out? There's some big things happening, but what's the next direction and how does it impact the industry? Okay, so... I have a lot of friends at Vacasa and I, there are a lot of smart people at Vacasa. So I don't, obviously I don't know what's going to happen there. I, looking at it from right now, I don't see that there's 
if you do the same thing, expect the same results kind of mentality right now. Hmm. It's not like they cause a stock drop is not because they did something worse than the day they went public. They were overvalued the day they went public and the market knows it now. And I think that's, they bought a lot of companies at high multiples. They spent way too much money on inventory. They got up to, they're upside down. Just think of it like a housing market crisis. They have their own. They spent way too much and they can't cover that. The homeowners at the same time have high expectations based on past results. And not only are they seeing their revenues decline, they're seeing their service levels decline and their commissions go up. So that's why their churn is happening. So their churn and all that's making their stock price drop even further. I They don't have a ton of choices right now. They have to... They have to, they should, they, I'm sure they're looking for a buyer. I don't doubt at all that they're looking for a buyer. I don't, at that, just from a cash perspective, I, they've got to manage that in a way that is going to be very difficult to do while they're still trying to innovate and, and add inventory. I, what the buyer will do, I think is the question. If they are able to sell it, then is it a chop shop kind of sale? Is it what happened? Going back to Resort Quest with Lacadia, where they just took parts of it and sold it off, and which will be interesting. Or is it someone who actually comes in and thinks that the, there is enough in the management team that can actually make a difference? And does that management team even really want to? Some of those people that have been there are, they've been in this for a minute. This was not as easy as they thought it was going to be. A lot of them aren't, they're tech guys. This wasn't really the job they wanted. <laughs> They were supposed to get private equity and sell and make a shit ton of money and retire and go buy an island. That 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 was the goal. And now having to be full-time property management companies, operations guys, that kind of stuff, I don't know how much fun they're having. It seems like the runway with cash is really short. So then the question becomes, what is their overall value? And they're struggling with operations, so it's hard to see someone stepping in and operating. But what is it the value when it's a chop shop? I don't know totally. I think that they had some cash needs and they had to take a round or two at a valuation, you know, below what they, so people got diluted. The value, the, they have a lot more outside ownership on that company. And then those people needed to do certain things. The goal was to get it public and then wait your time to divest and then dump your shares in the market. So that ends up in our 401ks and mutual funds. And then we ride out the losses. That was the goal. It didn't happen. I've said this before, Amy. Do you think the brand itself has value? Like, I, I've, I, this is m me speaking, not you or anybody else, but I believe it's actually might be a toxic asset, the brand itself, meaning that they've done so much damage to the brand that, like, long term, I mean, are people going to want to be there? Like, on the homeowner side. So, like I said, we're all in different markets between Maryland and Alabama. And just on Facebook alone, you see all the local groups and what's being said in those forums about what's happening in Gulf Shores or what's happening in Myrtle Beach or just what I'm saying. All When people start asking each other, who should manage my property and where should I book and that kind of stuff, you see a lot of stuff. There are a lot of employees that got laid off in these markets that are, are not happy right. about it. There are unhappy employees in these markets. Like, I agree with you. I just think it was a from a brand perspective of making that something that people really want. The question is that does whoever buy it know that? Mm. Does the private equity company have that kind of knowledge? And my, probably not. In Oregon and California, they have a very different reputation than they have in the Southeast. Yeah. 
So I, I don't know if it has value. If it has value to the buyer will be the question. I don't think it really has value in Gulf Shores. Yeah. But they sent out a letter this past week, or maybe it was last week, touting the fact that they are the best in NPS scoring in the industry and in the subset of the industry. And it's, did you have the charts <laughs> upside down when you looked at this? Who else is reporting NPS? Like, I was about to say. Like, Who's measuring yeah. it? It's not like we have a lot of people who are saying, "There's we're not benchmarking NPS right now. Who even knows what yours is? And that's ridiculous. <laughs> They're only measuring up yeah. against what, Evolve? But, you know, like... <laughs> but, I'm intrigued by change because I think that change creates opportunity. But at the same time, when I think about the changes that could happen with Vacasa's fallout, I'm also concerned for the industry and the trust or lack of trust that might be created as a result of the potential downfall that, that might happen. And then in addition to that, I think that not only industry-wide we're going to see that, but we're also going to see it centered in, in certain markets more so than other ones. Areas where Vacasa has a really strong concentration are going to feel it much more than areas that might be smaller concentrations are performing well for Vacasa. So it's a concerning time. I think I get really concerned about just from the industry perspective, looking at it from the outside, is there are some markets where they have very little market share and people can pick up whatever's there. Like, for instance, if they take a, sh a chop shop approach to it, then you can sell 50 units in, I don't know, Branson. They probably have more than that there, but you know what I'm saying, to another company and that's not a problem. And probably get a decent amount of decent return on that. It's markets like Gulf Shores and Ocean City where they have a large market share. I don't know where, where they are right now in Gulf Shores. At one time they had over a thousand units here. They bought Meyer with 900. And so there's 3,500 plus. So that's a story. different story because it's like for us, for our markets, that is disruptive. That is, that's scary disruptive because there's not anyone to buy that. Maybe Milo could pick up the Gulf Coast because he's got Southern here. I don't know. Like this isn't a great year for anyone to acquire that kind of inventory because that we just don't have players of that size. So you're asking for a thousand unit company or a 500 unit company to now be a 2000 unit company and nobody's prepared to do that. So it's, it's very, the speed of that transaction, the, what could be disruptive if they're taking care of that along the way and there's, everyone's being very proactive about what this, what happens with this inventory. But if you dumped a thousand units into the Gulf Coast right now, it would be chaos, just chaos. With the timeline they have in front of them and the runway of cash, it just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to be proactive and conservative with their thought process around how to cut up the inventory. It feels like it's going to move way too fast. There are a couple of weird moves that happened at Vacasa. We saw their CEO sell like $10,000 worth of shares just out of nowhere. Like why? Like that can drop a stock. And I don't understand just because you see an, a CEO selling shares at any time is something that, that is hurtful. I don't know why that happened. I don't understand that. I, Eric Breon dumped a little bit, not even a huge amount again, like $180,000 worth of shares into the market. I At a very low price, both of these transactions right. were super They're low. They're selling at the floor. I mean, yeah. Like, why would you sell like a hundred, like he's, a, he's made millions off of this deal already. Eric Breon's fine. Why would he just go in and sell $180,000? whatever it is, a small amount relative, a relatively small amount of shares 
at a really low price and let, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. He still owns a lot. I don't, and those two transactions were baffling to me. I think they added a lot of, they added shares to their executive crew. They haven't kept a C person. I think there's been a full transition in their entire C team. And that, think about this. When did they go public? What was this? Like December of I mean, basically a year and a half. How do you transition yeah, your entire correct. C team in a year and a half? That's not easy to do. I think so. And some positions too, Amy, they've turned over multiple times. I think they've had multiple CMOs. I think they're on th- the third CMO. Yeah. I know because I followed some of them on LinkedIn, didn't even have a chance to email them before they were gone um, <laughs> to see what's going on. Yeah, but, I really and then don't sh- know. Show me the people in the leadership team that have vacation rental experience. And, like they have experience with like marketplace type sites. And I'm like, okay, it's great that you yeah. led Open Door or, or not Open, I'm sorry, Open Table. It's great that you led that company. I'm sure that company has done a lot of good things. I don't know much about it. I don't know the restaurant industry that well. I mean, but what does that have to do with vacation? I love open table like everybody else, yeah. but where, what was the, how do those things just because connect? they sold? I don't know. I didn't understand the connection of why they thought that was valuable experience. The Angie's list or Angie, whatever that yeah. is, that stuff even made a little bit more sense to me than the open door stuff. I didn't understand that but, but, open table. Sorry. You're yeah, right. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I sent you down the wrong path there, but even that one, it's, it's hard to, the Angie's list model is basically like selling leads. Like we're reselling leads into a marketplace to people on the ground that are actually doing the work. They're the actual people painting the house or fixing the plumbing or doing something like that. Well, that's not really like Vacasa. Like you're the one that has to do that. Like you're the one that's fixing it. You're not like subbing it out to someone else. Right, so right. if anything, I feel like you should be dealing with people that have that type of experience. How do I have whoever ran like whoever runs like Roto Rooter? I don't know if that's like a franchise or something. But like those are the kind of problems you have to deal with. More of that, and then less of oh, I know how to run this marketplace site, which is a very different sort of beast. Yeah. I think the ultimate question is, does our industry scale? And that's just what we keep on coming back to all the time in this. I does it scale past a local or a group of local, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, a regional market? I don't know that it does. I don't know that you achieve the brand levels that across multiple destinations that people were hoping mm-hmm. or thinking that it might. We have not seen a brand bring any value right. yet. Right across destinations in this industry. It's not four seasons I, um, where it's like, oh man, like Fakasa has the best 25 listings in these 50 markets. That's amazing. Like that would be something that I think they could hang their hat right. on if they went down that path. But to be fair, when you go look at the Vacasa inventory, and I don't know the Ocean City market that well, I'm sure you do, Scott. Do they have 3,500 of the best listings or do they just have any 3,500 listings that they were able to scoop up and that sort of thing? Because I, I think to your point, Amy, that would be something that you could stick your flag into. We are the best or we offer this specific service for the, this specific type of traveler. But my personal experience, when you go look at the inventory that I know in markets that I have clients in, I don't see that. I see a hodgepodge. I see a 10 bedroom next to a condo next to this, next to that. I don't see like a consistent brand standard throughout the whole process. Some things they do very well. It's not, I'm not just here to body slam them for no reason. Which as a marketing person drives you insane. Completely insane. Because you want to create your unique selling proposition, right? Your USP, like going down your marketing plan list. Who are we? What do we do really well? Right, right. And that's insane when you have no idea when there's just like, it's, it's that kind of hodgepodge situation. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. I don't think we've ever really seen a brand scale successfully nationally. And I mean that in two ways. One, from a branding perspective, I don't think we've ever had a brand that was nationally known by the general public. And then two, operationally, I don't think we've ever had a brand that fully realized uh, the uh, economies of scale nationally. I mean, every market really does have nuances, you know what I mean? And it's not even just about beach versus mountain. Oh, no. Like there are certain service providers in every market that you have to play with. There are 
I, it's just the question you said about even on marketing, the local, you're looking at your drive to, right? Our industry is a drive to market in the US anyway. So your core, draw a circle around your whatever it is, six, seven, eight hours, whatever's good for you in market. Do those people know who you are? That's all that matters. And I don't think a lot of people understand this branding thing. In Gulf Shores, I don't care if you know me in New York. <laughs> like, I really don't. I don't even care if you know me in Maryland or Myrtle Beach, quite honestly. Yep. But if you're in Birmingham, you better know my name. Do you know what I mean? And Connor, you and I have talked about this for a decade. I, that's achievable. Mm-hmm. That is an achievable marketing objective. Right. To make sure that the people in your drive to market know your name. And, and you can. And I think this whole idea that looking at Vecasa, people look at their performance on the macro level, but looking at their performance in their revenue driving local markets is where the real story is. Yeah. And you can measure that, by the way, too. A lot of people say, ah, but how do you even figure that out? It's pretty easy, right? You can look at people who come directly to your website and you can look at people who look for your brand name on Google. And if you go look at some of the biggest brands here in the Myrtle Beach market, you'll see the top two or three brands have an excess of 50 to 100,000 people a month during the busy seasons looking for their brand. And their brand is not Vacasa. Their brand is, there's other brands out there. I don't know if we need to name them here, but go look at any market and you'll see the people that have done a good job. It's very easy to figure them out. In Adam's market, Twitty, look at how many people search for Twitty in the Outer Banks. And like you said, it's in these three state, four state radius. And they know that brand very well and they know what that company can deliver for them so i think that's a lot of it too but yeah that becomes harder to understand so people just brush past it and they think oh wouldn't it be better if we had this like nice umbrella maybe if you don't find yourself wanting to go under that umbrella then you find yourself in a tougher position that's for sure that's a good i'm sorry i just jotted it down because there's a great session or class in that that needs to come out of it Conrad, are you speaking at Dorm? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to interrupt you earlier when you said, oh, you don't have to pay speakers. I was going to confirm, no, you don't have to pay speakers because Amy emails you and she goes, do you want to speak at Dorm? And I just reply, yes. I don't even read the rest of the email. She has a bunch of logistical (laughs) questions in there and times and this and that. I just go, yep, sounds good. Let me know what you want me to talk on. Because no, ultimately that's when, obviously on this side of the table, we go and we try to say things that at least I try to say things that are true, that I've lived. I try to give my expertise and my knowledge on, hey, I get the good news about the fact that I've scaled and we have a bigger team now is that I have these 50 companies that I can reference and talk about. And they're all over the US and there's some are small, some are big, some are budget, some are luxury, some are in the middle. And these are the things I see over and over again. This isn't just one little trend over here, one little trend over here. That's like the search marketing, the branded search. That's every single company out there, whether you have two units or 20 or 200, people will look for your name of your company if you do a good job. People will look for the name of your listing if you're listing is notable and offers a good experience and has the right value, et cetera. So I can go do a session on that because it's something that I see over and over again every day and the data bears it out. It's not my opinion. It's the facts of where traffic comes in. And ultimately, a lot of people talk about direct bookings. I did a LinkedIn post on this too. What they're talking about is traffic. That's what they're talking about. They're not talking about bookings. They're talking about (coughs) eyeballs and people coming in and looking at the brand and what the company actually has to offer. And when you have that, to to Vacasa's credit, for example, they have a lot of traffic. They get away with maybe some things that they shouldn't because they have people coming in every day and looking for their brand as well. And that can be a good thing. But you can do that too, to the point of the local property manager. Do you know what a really good session there would be with you is how good is your marketing department? Like a grading. Like evaluate your marketing team, yeah. how to evaluate your marketing team kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it would be good for marketers and for executives yeah. to say, okay, is my is what I'm doing actually working? I'm struck by how transformative this time really seems to be with the potential for Vacasa changes to hit the market as well as AI to hit the market all within the next six months. 
it feels like Darm and the Women's Summit is perfectly timed. They're going to be very exciting shows with all of these changes taking place. But at the same time, it's moving really, really rapidly, and we need to continue to have these discussions. It's all circling back to marketing. We've got to double down on marketing. We've got to double down on hospitality and unreasonable hospitality. At the same time, we've got to start to create the content for AI to find us, and we've got to build the communities and start to have these discussions out in the open so that we can all continue to push this in the direction that we want to. It feels like we're creating this moment as we speak, which is amazing. I mean, 2008 felt like this, but this feels like it's at a whole new level and it's moving really, really quickly. And I think it's everything that we're talking about that needs to be done for AI needs to be done, period. Let's say I I never happened. Like it's still valuable for the current search environment and the the current filterable environment. And I, I, yeah, when, when, yeah, but I think the marketplaces are in trouble across the board. I think that marketplaces that we'll talk about the the dot com bubble Mm -hmm. back in the day. I think we have a marketplace bubble right now. And I I could be wrong. I have been wrong before. (laughs) (laughs) And, Somebody will be there to capitalize on it, too. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I think yeah. that the exclusive inventory across the board is the winner mm. in, a, in an AI world, yeah. which is the property management company or in Airbnb's case, they have exclusive inventory. Yeah. There's no way he's doubling down on less revenue producing inventory for no reason. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I think it's watching Google, watching some of these the people who already know what's coming and their actions and what they're saying, I think is what we're, that's how the clues, that's how we're going to find out what's coming. Right. Well, I think t- my take on that is two things happened. Number one, they got very little, if no participation from the big OTAs. So Airbnb was there for a minute, like a New York minute, and then they left. Verbo was there for a short period of time and then they left. So now, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but like you see like third tier, fourth tier OTA type sites trying to get some of that traffic when it still shows yeah. up. That's, I think, the first problem. The second problem is Google just loves being the middleman and extracting the tax, ad dollars between. So the best business of all time is selling clicks. Like you're Google, you get the traffic, you charge the property manager a dollar, two bucks, you send them on the way. On, on paper, it's great to charge 10% and do that whole model. The technology to make that happen, especially in a very fragmented industry that we have, we're getting all the different PMSs to talk to Google and properly attribute commissions and all that kind of stuff. They're like, eh, why don't we just sell clicks for a dollar? It's easier. It's simpler. It's higher profit margin. There's less headache. We don't have to send anyone to a silly conference. Like we can just take our dollar and get people on their way. I think that's a better business model for Google too, honestly. Like it's easier for them as well. It's going to be interesting to see how Google monetizes the new platform. Like I don't even have a visual in my head of what that would Oh, believe me, there'll be ads at the top, Amy, don't you worry. You'll put it in a prompt, you'll get a response (laughs) and there'll be an ad right at the top, right? And it'll be, hey, it's no different than Amazon. It's always shocking to me, Amazon, like you go do a search on Amazon and you have to pay to get on Amazon. Amazon takes a cut when you sell a product on there, if you sell iPhone cases or whatever the case may be, but then you can give Amazon even more money to make sure that your iPhone case shows up number one when people search for iPhone cases, right? So there's not like really that component between the two and Amazon's quote unquote tax that they can extract from e-commerce like physical product sellers is ridiculous. It can be 50, 60% of the total amount of the product that you're buying a $10 iPhone case and $6 of it is going to Amazon for packing and shipping and sponsor fees and all that kind of stuff. So going back to the Google side of things, sure, on, on paper, be great if Google could extract this commission with a light lift, a light touch, but that, I don't really think that's 
easy for them to do. And I know too, because I have clients now in the hotel resort space and they have the hotel product, which is similar, a hotel ads product, which is similar, but it's easy to do, hey, here's one resort, here's five different room types. That's a little bit more straightforward to manage versus, oh, let me go ahead and connect up with Meyer, who has 900 distinct, completely distinct, completely unique units, all in kind of a database that I have to interface with and get all the plumbing working correctly. It's a lot harder. So, But again, that filtering thing is where it fell apart. Yeah. They, when they started, it was to define, to create that whole filtering process with the kind of nuances that we have that have always been filterable problems with oceanfront, gulf front, beachfront, waterfront, right. <laughs> like all those kind of things yeah. where it was was a heavy lift when AI is coming right around the corner and they can just ask the question. Yeah, I think that's, that's where it was like, why spend this money on this right now and try to get this fil- solve this filter problem and we're not even going to need it. Yeah. I don't know. Yep. I, 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 it would be interesting to find out. There is a Google guy going to Burma. I saw that. I don't know. Okay. Who's, I didn't catch that. What is we'll have to, you'll have to block him on the left. I'll block him on the right, Amy. We just pin him in a corner. Yeah. We'll get oh, some well, answers. Totally. We need yeah. Scott and Adam to help us. Yeah. <laughs> no one's going to mess with Scott. <laughs> so I've been watching Game of Thrones. I did not watch Game of Thrones when it came out. But my summer has been <laughs> catching up on it. And so I'm into this whole like dominating family um, yeah. <laughs> like this clan versus that clan no, I'm viewing the world is very Khaleesi right now <laughs> awesome. I know we went a little bit over guys do we want to by the way Amy you skipped the song and if I forget it I will get killed so we started we had yeah. so many topics flowing this and that oh. so we need a song before we let you go a song the best describes Amy hopefully we put you in the so the so song far. I always used to use I always felt like connected with was an old Edie Brickell song back in the day it was called what I am and I just, that whole authenticity thing was really good. The Katy Perry Roar song is how I'm feeling I know that today. One. <laughs> but again, I've been watching Game of Thrones, so. <laughs> awesome. What do you think, Adam Scott? Anything else we can button up Amy with? And thank you, Amy. I know you stayed way over time and we super appreciate it. because Oh, I enjoyed this it. I love fantastic. talking to you guys. Yeah. We'll have to do a last minute push maybe for Darm and the women's conference. Obviously, we'll put links in the show notes. People can check that out. You'll be remiss if you miss them. All right. We thank everybody for their time again. Appreciate it. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys.